The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Good morning. Uh, my name is Brian. Uh, my wife, uh, Jen, and I recently became members of Doxa during this previous um, membership process. And uh, Actually, this time last year, uh, we were in the middle of moving uh, from Maryland to Myrtle, back to Myrtle Beach. Um, so we were here for nine years. We moved to Maryland. We were in the process of moving back here, and uh, with uh, two twin babies or babies um, that were making it extremely difficult for us during this time last year, it was just challenging. And uh, we just asked God for so many things and uh, prayers um, for just that He would sustain us and. And he has, and it's crazy to look back just in one year of how he was provided for me and my family and um, for our kids. And, and one of the things we prayed for was a church. And uh, one of the first things that God did was answer that prayer. Um, we came here, and, and um, it's just been an answer to prayer. And uh, if, you're, uh, if you've been coming here um, for any time, you know that uh, it's all about Jesus. Uh, he's the biggest one in the room, and the leaders that are here just, um, they serve with humility and they make it about him, and uh, it's just been refreshing for me and my family. Um, and uh, last week's message uh, that Randy shared—I mean, it was just—it's just perfect. It touched me. It's what I needed to hear. And um, Randy said something uh, pretty profound, something that I've been thinking about a lot um, during this week. And he said uh, that all of us were either in the middle of suffering, we're about to enter suffering or we're just coming out of suffering. There's a lot of wisdom in understanding what that statement represents, and I found it to be true in my own life. When Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, you will have trouble, all of us. He didn't say if, he didn't say some of you. He's implying all of us, every single one of us is going to have to walk through suffering. The suffering you and I will face it has the potential to push us closer to God, and yet it also has the potential to turn our eyes away from God. The suffering you and I will face has the potential to strengthen our faith, yet it also has the potential to make us question our faith. Suffering can plant seeds of wisdom inside of us, but also can leave us with deep, deep roots of bitterness anger, and unforgiveness. The suffering you and I may face can leave us with a lot more questions than answers. Uh, my wife and I are still healing from a recent storm that hit our life. A couple years ago, like I said before, we uprooted our life here in Myrtle Beach to be a part of a church in Maryland. Uh, moving was a decision that we fought God on the whole time. We wrestled with him. We did not want to go. We did not want to leave Myrtle Beach but we decided to trust God, and we went. And I accepted a position at a church there. And we had no idea that God was leading us right into a storm. I mean, from the moment we arrived, we experienced darkness and spiritual warfare like never before in our life. Our experience in Maryland hurt us more than we ever thought we could be hurt by those within the church. And maybe we were a little naive I mean, following God and saying yes to him, whatever he calls you to do or calls me to do, it's, it's never easy. It is a never an easy thing. 
But for, uh, for me and my wife, I mean, this is the first time we actually trusted God, and it felt like he led us into an ambush. And uh, the pain and the hurt and some of the questions we have still feel pretty raw. And this is why I tried really, really hard to get out of teaching today. From the moment, seriously, from the moment I was put on the schedule, I was looking for a way out. I mean, seriously, I met with Randy this past Wednesday as my latch-ditch effort to try to convince him and the rest of the team that I'm still too beat up and bloody for God to use me. I was trying to disqualify myself, and I told Dennis I'm still struggling to trust God in this season of my life. And I thought it gave a really good sales pitch. We were there for like two hours, and I'm like, come on, when are they just going to tell me to, you're not teaching? But afterward, Randy kind of looked at me and says, yeah, now I think you really should teach. He was more convinced, and it backfired on me. I'm only 32 years old. I've lived long enough to experience some pretty tough pain in my life and long enough to realize uh, greater pain could be right around the corner. My dad died when I was 13, and uh, the pain of losing him was extremely difficult. But the pain I felt during uh, my, my wife and I when we struggled with infertility for five years was extremely different than the pain of losing my dad. Uh, Both of these circumstances were extremely difficult for me, and they challenged my faith in different ways. But the pain we experienced in Maryland did something different. Um, It planted a small seed in my heart that did a lot of damage. I started to believe that uh, God was not safe. Not because of how crazy big And holy, and the fact that he breathed this world into existence. I mean, all of us should have a healthy fear of God. But mine became and started to become unhealthy. I began to doubt God's love, and and this made me not want to trust him. And this made me feel shameful. Made me feel like I took ten steps back. It brought fear into my life I never had before. And it almost kept me from giving this message today. I mean, think about it. How can a guy struggling to trust God be used of God to strengthen your trust in him? I have no idea. But if you leave here trusting him today, it's because of of him. It's because of God. I'm afraid to be honest, not only because of what you may think of me, but because by being honest, it means I have to get, let God get really close to me. Close enough to confront my unforgiveness, my bitterness, my anger, my fear, and especially my lack of trust in him. Fear can uh, paralyze us. It can make us pretend. Fear can, like Randy said last week, Make us want to give the right answer instead of the real one. Now, um, a while ago, I was told to, that we were going to be in the Psalms, and, and uh, Randy told me to pick any psalm and teach on it. So I decided to teach on Psalm 36 because it was this passage that God led me to while we were still living in Maryland. And uh, it's been a huge source of encouragement for me 
and it's helped me get through some pretty dark moments. And Psalm 36, verse 7, was the one that kept getting highlighted for me. It's the one I'd read the passage, and this is the one that would stand out. And I'll read it here, starting in verse 7. It says, How steadfast is your love, O God, the children of mankind. Take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Have you ever prayed that right there? Have you ever asked God for refuge? Have you ever asked God for protection? I've been praying and asking God for refuge in this season for a while now, longing for a safe place, hoping that God would take away the hurt and save me from the pain. And when the pain and hurt wouldn't go and wouldn't leave, I began to doubt and question whether God's love was truly steadfast. And I was reading um, Psalm 36 this week. And I realized I missed the main point of what God was trying to show me and teach me. I realized God is not concerned with protecting my life. His main objective is not to remove the pain in my life. His main objective, his main desire is to give me life. Verse 9 says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. God is not concerned with protecting our life. God's main point and his desire for us is that he, would, he wants to give us life. Real refuge in the Lord is not God removing the pain or changing our circumstances. Real refuge, real security, real safety is God giving us life. Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God gave us Jesus. He gave us the fountain of life. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only true source of life. He's the only source of lasting joy. He's the only source of our hope. And he's the only fountain in this world that can satisfy the thirst we have. See, God's word, the Bible is not given to comfort us. Scripture was given to lead us to Jesus. Psalm 36 was never meant to simply comfort me to get me through this recent storm. The purpose of Psalm 36 is to lead me to Jesus. So I could have true comfort and real peace. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's not wrong to ask God for help or for specific needs. But understand, and and God's main objective, his main purpose is to lead all of us to Christ. It's to give us life. And this could happen through answered prayers or unanswered ones. So I'm asked a question. What prevents us from seeking this kind of refuge? Why do we sometimes seek out refuge in other things and other people, other people before we seek out refuge in Jesus? Well, Psalm 36, verse 1 and 4 tells us why. It's because of sin. It's because of deep down At the core, 
is a problem that you and I can't fix. We are born sinners. We are born with a rebellious heart, every single one of us. My kids are 19 months old, and it is so easy to see that they are little sinners. Really. My wife and I, we have moments, I feel like it's almost every day where we would look at each other and we would be like, oh my goodness, what little sinners. What little re- rebels. What, you know, and, we'll, and it's so funny because we'll be like, why did they do that? And we know why. We say these things, we know the answer. You know, and, and since the day they were born, I can't tell you how many people have come up to us, wise parents, who have said, just wait to the terrible twos. And then another parent will interrupt, no, 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 no. It's the terrible threes and fours. And then another person will say, no, no, no. The worst stage is middle school. It's the worst. And another parent will say, no, 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 no. The worst is teenagers. And wait, wait till you have two teenagers in your house. Boy, girl, twins, all their friends are going to come over. It's going to be a nightmare. You're going to be on medicine. Somebody has said <laughs> that to us. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm new at this parenting thing. But I'm pretty sure sin is going to make every single stage of pretty tough. Sin has messed up everything in our world. Psalm 36, verse 1 and 4, not only shows us the damaging effects of sin, but it's like looking at a mirror at our own heart. We're going to just read verse 1. It says, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. And it's easy for you and me to read passages like this and think of somebody else. Maybe it's somebody else who's caused us a lot of pain. We rarely see ourselves described in passages like this. We may not say it, but we think it all the time. I'm not as bad as that person. I would never say or do what they just did. Or we think we're better because of the good things we do, because we read our Bible, because we memorize more scripture than somebody else, because we give more, or we serve more, or we we have more education. Or the fact that we have a better understanding of theology. Whatever it is, we tend to think we're better than somebody or that we're less of a sinner. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, he said it perfectly. I'm going to read a quote from him. When the Bible talks about sin, it is not just referring to the bad things we do. It's not just lying or lust or whatever the case may be. It is ignoring God and the world he has made. It's rebelling against him by living without reference to him. It's saying, I will decide exactly how I live my life. And Jesus says, that is our main problem. If you are a believer in Christ this morning, if you're a believer and you've trusted in him, do you ever flatter yourself in your own eyes? Do you ever try to hide your sin from God and other people? Do you ever try to justify certain behavior? Do you always reject evil? 
we don't seek out refuge in the Lord because of our sin. Sin causes us to be self-absorbed. Sin gives us an unrealistic view of who we are and a distorted view of who God is. Sin causes us to question whether God's love is truly steadfast. Sin will plant seeds of doubt in us that will make us think God is not safe. Sin makes us think that the storm we are facing is too big for God to handle. So it makes us believe that what we have done is greater than God's ability to love and forgive. I was at uh, Market Commons earlier this week, sitting on a bench there right by the, the lake, I'm just reading and, and reading Psalm 36. And I, was look, I looked up and I noticed the tree behind me was kind of casting a perfect shadow over me. From, it was keeping me right out of the, the hot sun. And, and I could see the outline of the tree perfectly. And I thought about Psalm 36 verse 7. And I, I was literally reading it and I looked up and saw this shadow. And I thought about how God's love creates a shadow of protection for us. And it was at this moment, a question uh, popped into my head that has really helped me personally this week and has given me uh, the strength to be honest with God about my doubt and my sin. The question is this, where in this world can I go where God's shadow will not touch? I'm looking at this tree And I'm thinking, surely God's shadow is bigger. I started reflecting on how his love is described as being steadfast, constant, relentless. And how his love creates a shadow we can see when we look at Jesus. Jesus walked, the Bible says in Psalms, he walked through the shadow of death. His body was ripped Open, he bled, and he is alive today to prove to us that he is bigger than anything we will ever face. As believers in Christ, those of us who have trusted him, where can we go where God's shadow will not touch? Is there a place, a circumstance, a sin, a person in our life that can cast a bigger shadow than God? Psalm 36, uh, verses 5 and 6, remind us that God's shadow is pretty stinking big. It says here in verse 5 and 6, it says, His love extends to the heaven, His faithfulness to the clouds. His righteousness is like the mountains of God. You and I are not that big. And verse 6 reminds us that His judgments reach the deep. And what this means is that God knows. He's the judge. He's the one who his opinion should matter most in our life. And what this verse uh, 6 reminded me is that he knows. God knows everything. He knows about your doubt. He knows about your disbelief. He knows about your anger. He knows when you turn away from him. He knows when you try and hide your sin. He knows where you are right now. He knows what you've been through. And he knows what you're going to face tomorrow. And he's offering us real refuge, real security, Real peace and real hope. He's offering us life. 
God has given us Jesus. He's offered a solution to our biggest problem. God did not protect Jesus from the pain of this world or from the pain of our sin. As a a parent of two toddlers, I feel like I save my kid's life every single day. Like seriously, literally, I, I save their life. Like they don't even know it. I've done Superman dives to catch their head before it hits an immovable object. Like, all the time. And they just get up, like, laughing, and I'm like, rolling on the ground in pain. And they're just like, yay. They go off, and they have no idea. They're not grateful. They're not thankful. I just saved their life. <laughs> I love my kids. I, I love them so much. And I want the best for them. I do want to protect my kids. And the thought of them going through any sort of pain just crushes me. I have this, like, superhuman, like, Hulk-like feeling to protect them inside. It's like, no, I don't care what it is. Like, you're going down if you try to make it. I don't care. I don't care. And I know I'm always going to have this desire inside of me. But the truth is, my kids are not safe. And the truth is, I will never be strong enough to save them from some of the storms they're going to face in this world. And I'm slowly, slowly realizing, and I, and I, I hope that I can pray this prayer with more, like, sincerity and genuineness I'm slowly realizing that my prayer should not be for, for God to protect them from the pain and suffering they will face. My, my prayer should be that they find life. They, my prayer should be that Luke and Bryn find Jesus. And, and that only I can beg God for. And I hope as their father that I'm strong enough to not try and rescue them from some of the storms they will face in this world. And in their life, because it could be that very pain that they have to go through that leads them to Jesus. Real refuge is not God removing the pain in our life or changing our circumstances. Real refuge, real security, real safety is God giving us life. Do you want refuge? Do you even think you need it? Can you see how hopeless you are apart from Jesus? Do you only tend to run God when things go bad, you know, when you see a storm on the horizon? And I can't tell you how many times my wife and I are out in public with our, we're going, you know, we're running errands with Luke and our kids, and they're boy-girl twins, by the way, and someone will ask us, are they identical? Somebody in this room has actually asked us, and maybe some of you have thought it, and I'm, I'm not trying to call you out on the fact maybe you've never seen Kindergarten Cop. Like, oh, never mind. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make fun at your expense. My point is that sometimes we miss the obvious. As Christians, we can sometimes miss how obvious our need is for God. And when that happens, we find ourselves trying to take refuge in other things. And what's amazing about God and what's beautiful about his grace is that he will never give us permission to do that. He will never give us the kind of security we long for if we are seeking after other things. And if we are honest, deep down, sometimes at the core, we want God to be okay with us wanting something else just as much as we want him. There's a part of us, God, just 
Can I, can I have you end that? Can I want this just as much as I want you? I mean, I still want you, but I still want that. You know what you want. You know what you're longing for. I don't have to list off a bunch of things. We tend to worship above God. You know what your things are. I know what my things are. They may even, in fact, be good things. But if we turn good things and make them ultimate things, we are rejecting the peace and refuge God is offering us. And the crazy thing about how messed up we are is we can tend to get angry at God about it. We like get angry at him. We're chasing after something else and we're, we don't have peace. We're like angry at him. It's like going to Burger King and freaking out at the store manager because he, won't, he can't give you a Big Mac. God is trying to tell us that we cannot find eternal refuge in a temporary world. We cannot drink from two fountains. We cannot live for self and live for Christ and expect to feel secure. We can't live for Christ and live for our, ourself and expect to have true peace in our life. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And we say whoever clings to his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. God is not concerned with protecting your life or making you comfortable. God wants to give you life. And it's so foolish of us when we believe the lie that God is somehow holding out on us. That that God wants us to live some boring black and white life and that God wants to take all the fun out of living. When we think like that, it's just because all we can see is this temporary world right in front of us. And we are more afraid of losing our life than actually finding it. And toward the end of Psalm 36 and verse 11, we are given a powerful and life-saving warning. Verse 11, it tells us that each, every single one of us, all of us, are one step away from walking in the shadow of our own arrogance. And one step away from getting carried away by wickedness. It was my own arrogance that led me to believe that God couldn't use me right where I am. A man still bleeding and wounded, struggling to trust God. I'm going to end where I started. How can a guy struggling to trust God be used of God to strengthen your trust in him? Maybe it happens by not looking at the struggling guy. Maybe it happens by not looking at the person struggling next to you or the struggle you're currently facing. Maybe it happens when we look and focus on Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. Maybe it can happen if you and I really see that God's love is bigger than we ever imagined it to be. Maybe our trust and God will be strengthened if we can see that God's love is bigger than our biggest sin.
Where in this world can you go where the love of God cannot reach you? Jesus' love is bigger than any spiritual drought you may find yourself in, and it's bigger than any personal struggle you will ever face in your life. Doxa means glory. And I just want us to imagine for a moment what God could do in our city, in our families, in our church, if we simply focus on what the shadow of his glory has covered up in our own life. People will not, not see a person who has it all figured out. Some, they will not see a person with all the answers. What they will see is a weak person who has been made strong. They will see a dead person who has been made alive. And maybe by God's grace, they will see Jesus and they will run to him for refuge. Let's pray. God, we, um, we need you. We thank you that you constantly give even though we try to take. Lord, I thank you that your love transforms us and gives us the strength to say no to this world and to the power of sin God, we long for your return. We long for your kingdom to be fully established. And Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you are the source of true refuge. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.